0: Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you, and you know uh he didn't uh he didn't uh, tell us in this world we would not have tough times in fact, he said in this world, you will have tribulation and uh and so you know, he also spoke to me this morning, he reminded me of the the word that he had spoke to me uh back in in uh when there was the shooting attack and he said, Rick, do not allow the circumstances of this world dictate or define who I am because I am not of this world, even as you are not of this world. And so y'all, you know, one side of my heart just grieves at the effects of sin and death, but that just makes me more all the more resolved to the fact of the matter of who he is in um, declaring the truth and the reality of who he is, that his kingdom would be manifested in this realm, which his kingdom is not of this world. You know, Jesus told us three times Satan is the ruler of this world. Paul declares he's the God of this world. Well, we're in this world, but we're not of it. We're initiators and and ones who stand in the gap to bring that which is in the heaven to earth. And, uh, you know, uh, when your heart just grieves, um, it's not a, you know, it's just, it's just, you're torn on two sides. You know, I was reminded in this when Jesus uh, had got word that Lazarus was sick, and he delayed, and but he shows up on the scene, and Lazarus has already died. And the reality was, he gets there, and he knew without a shadow of doubt in his mind that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But yet, when he gets there, what's the first thing he does? Besides, speak a few truths. He cries, he weeps. That just shows me the heart of Jesus. Now, Jesus saw a whole lot more clearly than we see. For now, we see through a glass dimly. And when we're in circumstances, sometimes it's hard to see and discern clearly. And, in fact, that's what the whole goal is for Satan, to allow the circumstances in this world to arise, to dictate and cloud off the reality of who he is. And I don't share a quick thing, which I, some of you have showed before, but I just ask you to excuse me because I just really believe I need to speak it again in this context. Um, when mom died, y'all remember that, i me telling you that, you know, she had been sick for a while and I had just received the, you know, I had, it was comfort to me to know to be absent from bodies, to be present with the Lord. Because y'all, I want to say this, y'all, Jesus did not come into this world to get us comfortable in this world. According to Galatians 1.5, he came to deliver us out of this present evil age. So when all of a sudden the reality that mom was going to go to heaven... That was joy for me, but when I get a phone call from from uh, Dad and says, "Rick, come to the hospital. Your mom is in not good shape, so I come to the hospital and I walk in the door, and the reality of sin and death hit me straight in the face. Here my mom was was fighting forever breath, you know dying of pneumonia because of her weakened state, and i'd gone out told you I'd gone out behind the hospital and and just cried and yelled at God for a while, and told him I could take her take Mom going to be with you, but I could not stand to see her suffer and uh, and I you know finally got enough courage to go back in the hospital room that that day, and I was sitting beside her bed and holding her hand, and there the Lord spoke to me, the father God the Father spoke to me as loud as he's ever spoken in my life to me, and said, "Rick." I know how you feel. In the same way you had to sit and watch your son suffer, so also I had to watch my son suffer on the cross because of sin. Not because my mom sinned, but because sin entered in the world, therefore death spread to all men. That's the fabric of this realm. And Jesus has come to deliver us out of this realm of sin and death. And then the reality was, y'all, is that as I was thinking about this and all of a sudden I was, the Lord reminded me of Jesus on the cross where he told, you know, before that moment he's on the cross, he cries out I and mean, he tells the disciples, he says, you know, uh, he says, uh, there's a time coming and now is when each of you will be scattered each to his own, but I will not be alone for the Father is with me. In other words, Jesus is saying the Father's never going to leave him. But yet on the cross, all of a sudden we hear Jesus crying out, My God, my God, why have you what? And you all have heard me say this before. But I say it again because we need to know it. The Father never left Jesus. In fact, the common teaching is, is that Jesus took on sin and God the Father could no longer look on him. Well, Jesus declared when, when he knew the truth that the Father would never leave him. Sin and death do not cause our Father's heart to turn from us. In fact, y'all, He runs to us. He pursues us. And so the Father never left Jesus. In fact, I was up here. Look at your... I hear God the Father speaking to Jesus when He was on the cross. All of a sudden, I just went back. I kind of hear Jesus crying out. I mean, the Father crying out to the Son in that moment when He took on sin and death. And I could hear Him saying, "Son, I am here with you. I am here." What do you think? It grew dark in the land. See, y'all, comfort, you've heard me say before, comfort, many times we feel like comfort is to remove the pain. But comfort is not a Greek word that means to sedate pain. Comfort literally means, the Greek word to mean to stand alongside. And we know this, that he will never leave us, never forsake us. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are, what, safe. And that's why I can stand in these moments, these times, and I can look and I go, even though I can see the effects of sin and death in this realm, trying to take somebody I love. Two things. One, I will not back down to pray healing over that, over him. In fact, come here, Diane. We're going to stick this in the devil's face. Tell them what happened to you this week.
1: Um, I don't know if many of you, you probably do know my uh, story, but uh, when I was a child, I was diagnosed with kidney disease, a really rare kidney disease. And for all of my life, I've suffered with kidney stones, just chronic kidney stones. Like they told me my blood just produces them when it goes through my kidneys. And um, I've never really had a positive report any time I've gone to the doctor. And seven months ago, the doctor told me I would have to be on medicine for the rest of my life. And this past week I went and they couldn't find any stones. And they told, they told me I wouldn't have to be on medicine anymore.
0: <laughs> this last week also, I shared this testimony. We'll get her to share it sometime. But Jerry and Wilma's daughter, granddaughter, granddaughter, granddaughter. sorry, uh, <laughs> granddaughter, Taryn. She, uh, three years ago, had had a, a, uh, a, ski, a snowboarding accident and we're, it messed up the sciatic nerve in her back where she's been in pain ever since. To where in the last three months it got so intense where she couldn't even lay on her flat on her back if she did without it, her just going kicking in and she can't even get up. Last Sunday, there was a prophetic word that came out about God restoring and giving a new sciatic nerve to somebody. Taryn goes. That's me. Derek and Sharon prayed for, her and y'all. Since that time, no pain, no pain, no pain. No pain. In fact, uh, there's a word that's coming that that uh, this morning about somebody having a right ear issue. Uh, God wanting to heal that, and if it is you, just see Brandon in the back and Kevin. Where's Kevin? and Kevin, and I'll be glad to pray for you. Y'all, we're going to send, you know, we were all supposed to be leaving, or they were going to leave today, and I was going to leave tomorrow to go to uh, California. We were going to take Brandon, you know, to Bethel and that healing conference. Uh, But, you know, a lot of us are not going to go, but we're going to send Brandon. And we ain't going to back down. We are not going to back down because his name is Jehovah Rapha. And we're going to believe for Brandon here. And, uh, but, y'all, you know, I'm going to say this. Either way, we win. That's
1: right.
0: And either way, God promises he calls all things to work out for God. So we're going to agree right now again for Brandon's healing. And and uh, God has brought uh, Dave Cunningham here, who's one of the... Sorry,
1: I'm, we're going to be praying probably this evening. So oh, okay, I need to Joel. I need to say this. We have a Joel meeting tonight, and and there, there are pieces of that that we're going to do, but there's you know we're in God's
0: <clears throat> time, and led by His Spirit. Yeah, I, yeah well, My first thought was when we had this Joel meeting plan, I said, in Brandon said, like I said, no, I do not want to do business right now. And I just I didn't want to do any business. And then when we came in this morning, that's why we got elders. You know, and uh, when I just all I want to do is fight, and uh, and the guys say, "You know, one of the main purposes tonight was set apart elders, and y'all when you're in a the fight, there's times you have to call for reinforcements. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going first part of the service, we're going to set apart men and their their fam- wives apart in the, in the ministry of shepherding this flock. And then the rest of the time we're going to spend in worship and praise, and prayer. So is that cool? Yes. Yeah. We're not going to do business. We're going to attack. And on
1: Monday there is a meeting here, same place, seven. Uh, tonight at six thirty. Tomorrow night at seven. I, I would imagine that we may meet here again on Tuesday. <laughs> we'll meet here again on Wednesday. Um, the, those uh, meetings will be at six thirty. Um, there are people here that come at six in the morning to pray and that 's every day i mean every every weekday, and' that 's not, that's not a new new thing. this room 's open throughout the week, and so you know I would just encourage you um, we 're we're, we're to be people of prayer
2: okay.
0: well, I want to uh, introduce somebody it 's kind of interesting that God has allowed Dave to be here, Dave Cunningham, who uh, always was in the one of the three uh, apostolic leaders that helped allow Dwelling Place to come together. You know, Debbie's shaking her head. She remembers those early days <laughs> when Dave would come from California. Dave was an apostolic leader over churches in California and in Africa. He runs around over there where uh, Ron runs around and and uh, in fellowship with those churches. Uh, Dave, thank you, PJ. I'm sorry. I was... Thinking possibly go somewhere else, but uh, Dave is a good man. Uh, he's very gifted, but that is not why I love Dave. Uh, why I love Dave is because he's he's no nonsense and uh, and he's a man of character and integrity. And uh, you know, he just comes in and he'll tell you what what he thinks right off the bat and i like that and that's and david's one of the guys that y'all that is alongside this church to uh to um, make sure the leadership stays saved and, and so and head the right direction so dave you would thank please, you. brother, come and
2: speak thank you. On thank you on your heart thank you So you'll, you'll monitor the time for me, because I'm on California time, so for me it's like 6:30s, uh, and so I can preach till noon. So, uh, no nonsense guy, all of that. I was thinking, I don't even know if I want to listen to me this morning, because that kind of sounds like he doesn't even smile, or... Maybe he doesn't have fun in life. Maybe his fun is going out and setting and poking himself in the eye with a sharp stick or something. But but I really am a nice guy, and, and I am fun to be around. Uh, there are other sides that uh, show up once in a while. And my wife can confirm all of that. She's not here with me, but she will be at some point. She was here with me. Um, Actually, we were just reminiscing. Uh, We've kind of been part of this church, and I I use the term in that way because when you have relationship, uh, distance and placement doesn't separate you. And we came 13 years ago, uh, and in the birthing of all that was going on, had an opportunity to just enjoy what God was doing, and he is doing an amazing thing here. And I really believe that this is a critical time. And it's not just a critical time because of the situations and circumstances that are around us. It's a critical time in the economy of the church. And again, that's not just in regard to financial issues, but just in the, in the health and the wholeness of the body. Uh, for which Jesus gave his life. So many things we've already heard in worship. I almost felt like I'll just get up and bless everybody and then we'll hopefully get to Starbucks before the other church people get there this morning and just have coffee together or wherever else it is. Uh, You go, I don't know, maybe you don't like Starbucks in Virginia, but actually I know that some of you do because I saw your cups this morning in prayer. (laughs) That's the way you have to start out prayer meetings, right? With a cup of coffee. Anyway, it's a joy to be with you. And I know that this is a time that God is in. We heard so much this morning that God is faithful. In the songs, God is faithful. God won't leave us. He won't forsake us. And we can't lose sight of that. And so there's two things that I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about staying focused and not giving up. Staying focused and not giving up. The Bible tells us in Romans 10:17 that we don't walk by sight. Uh, I'm sorry, that, that, that we, we don't walk by what we see, we walk by what we hear. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is the reference to we don't walk by, fa- by sight, but by faith. And so what you see can really tell you a story that isn't true. And if you get focused on the circumstance, it can be a real bummer. And I don't know if that's the word you guys use today. I mean, I used it when <laughs> I was younger, but I've crossed over in the... Less than younger group. But it still works for me. Psalm one eighteen verse twenty four says This is the day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. You notice when the psalmist wrote that it, it wasn't in in a pain free situation. It wasn't like, you know, life is this just wonderful dancing through the flowers moment. And you'll never have any struggle at all. We have to maintain our focus that when God says, This is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice in it. That it's not optional. If you want to make it through the day. Now it's easy to rejoice when everything is right. You know, it's great to have faith when everything's going the way you want it to go. Oh, man, I have faith. It's in those moments when nothing is going the way that you thought it should. That the truth of God's word reigns preeminent over every other circumstance and situation. And I have to say, over every feeling that we have. God's Word is supreme. So I have to choose when I get up in the morning and I find some new, you know, signals coming from this frame that I am captured in for the moment. I do appreciate the fact, though, that it's enlarged a bit, so I have a little bit more room to move around in than when I was younger. But the fact is that that I realize that it's like i'm i'm kind of like exploding inside because i just know that there's more that god has and so i i i have to say to myself self stay focused stay focused on your redeemer stay focused on your help stay focused On the comforter. Your feelings won't get you through. But I'll get you through. Listen. If you listen. If you listen, I will give you sight that is independent of what you see at the moment. Stay focused and don't give up. Stay focused and don't give up. I want to quickly go to a couple of places in Scripture and then we're going to stop at one particular reference. The first place I want to go this morning is in the book of Psalms. In Psalms 42, which you may be familiar with. I trust you I used to say, I, I trust you brought your Bibles, but now I trust you brought your smartphones. <laughs> I remember the first time that one of the pastors that stand with me stood up to preach, and I, I felt like he had just broken the holy law. The, you know, it's like he's tampering with the holy grail because he marches up to the, to the platform With his iPad. And I just couldn't resist. I said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm preaching this morning. I said, with what? I said, there's no Bible. I said, Pastor, you got to get with it. He said, this is a Bible. I said, no. The only thing that I know for sure that lives in these technologically geniusly planted devices or demons. Because every time I use one, it never does what I want it to do. And I end up turning it into a prayer time where I lay hands on it and I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. All I wanted was a Bible verse. And I can't even get to the Bible verse without pushing all these little symbols that I don't even know what the symbols mean. So I had some fun with that. So... I do have a smartphone now, so you'll be proud of me. I do have an iPad, but but I, I still, hopefully, you're not disappointed. I still use this. Psalm 42 is is an amazing word for encouragement, but it begins with a desire. That is expressed in verse one: "As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God." My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Verse five tells us: "When, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me?" I'm reading from the New King James. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the hope of His countenance. And we heard this morning, verse 7, Deep calls to deep, and at the noise of your waterfalls, all your waves and billows have gone over me. So, staying focused doesn't mean you ignore what's going on around you. But the focus is, what has God said? All things work together for good. Rick has already told us that this morning. For those who love God and are are called according to His purpose. But the psalmist writes that he understands what it's like to be in the midst of distresses. But you can't lose your focus. My soul, my soul, wake up. Hope in God. Can you imagine that the Bible's actually encouraging you to talk to yourself? Now, most people believe that pastors talk to themselves already. Most leaders, they're looking somewhere else. Sometimes when they're talking to you, hoping that they'll get get something that is of some importance in the communication I've read this scripture so many times, but I never really understood how powerful it was until I got into a situation. How many know that God arranges situations? Let me tell you, He doesn't cause all of them, but He is in the arrangement process in the midst of the circumstance. It helps me once in a while if somebody says hallelujah or (laughs) amen or raises your eyebrow. Several years ago, I was in Georgia, and I'd like to say I was on this spiritual retreat and, you know, just searching for God, but, but actually I was on vacation. And my wife and I had gone to see this waterfall well i i don't have a lot of geographical understanding of georgia but but when we flew into atlanta and we drived out we drive we drove out to where we were staying and people were saying look at the mountains and i'm going really (laughs) these are mountains where i come from these are hills come with me to california i'll show you some mountains and so I just kind of laughed and 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 then we were there for a few days and the other couple that we were with were kind of the planners and they're they're arranging all the sightseeing for us and and they said we're going to go see a waterfall. Well, having an engineering background, I, you know, math kind of tells me that water to be falling has to come from a higher elevation to a lower elevation, and I thought, come to California, I'll show you waterfalls. We can go to Yosemite, and you can see waterfall, and waterfalls. And so my mind was telling me, oh, yeah, waterfall, we're going to stand there, and it's going to be about, you know, three or four feet high, and everybody's going to be rejoicing and looking at this, because, wow, in our mountains, we got waterfalls. And you can take one step and go from the bottom to the top. That's what my mind was telling me. And so uh, I have to be honest with you. When they said we're going to go see this waterfall, I was thinking, really? Isn't there a nice restaurant in town that we could go maybe and have something to eat? I want to buffet my body. I mean, buffet my body a little bit more. And, And so I said, well, okay. And we went to this place and when you drive up there's a parking lot and they said this is it and I said really this is it yeah I said okay this is it but where is it where's what the waterfall Oh, you have to walk there to see it and I thought no problem being in tip-top shape and if you believe that i have some property i would like to sell you and i i started the walking they said it wasn't far it was far i started walking and all of a sudden the elevation starts changing and my mind is telling me this isn't possible, because at the parking lot it didn't look like there was any change in elevation. It's like you could almost see over the top of the hill. But when we started the journey, the elevation began to change, and all of a sudden, and I'm kind of the youngest one in the group, and so I'm trying to you know man up here, and and I'm moving along and all of a sudden I'm "Ah, ah, ah, ah." and then a question comes, how much further? Not far. I said, that doesn't help. Not far. How far is it? Just a little further. After half a mile, and I know for most of you, that probably isn't any distance at all but in California it's it's far and we got that far and and I thought hmm now he says it's not far now is he just deceiving me what's he doing well then we found a little sign So it's about another quarter of a mile and it was kind of interesting because that last quarter of a mile was more difficult than the half a mile that we had come I'll I'll give you the spiritual value of what I'm trying to share with you, but you kind of need the story first. And I thought, I'm going to turn back. Because in my mind, there wasn't anything to see. Because in my mind, my understanding said that it's this way. Sometimes when you try to trust what you understand it can really lead you in the wrong direction. As a deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs, pants, desires, puts every bit of effort into finding you. Well, I did make it the other quarter mile. And... The first thing I encountered at the end of the road was not the waterfall. It was a bridge. It wasn't a rickety bridge. It was one that could support many travelers. But I had to cross the bridge. And I thought, God, I'm on vacation. And he said, well, sort of you are, but you're on my time. And I have some things to share with you. So all of a sudden my hearing begins to change. I start divorcing myself from the fact that my understanding says it's going to be one way and my body's saying, why don't you just go back and get in the car and find the nearest Starbucks or something and enjoy life. And, but now there's something rising inside of me that says, not only do I have to see it, but I have to finish the journey. And I'm not exaggerating from here to where the waterfall was. I first encountered a bridge and then I encountered a turn. And from here to the turn, you couldn't hear any water. Now my mind is telling me They've led me on a wild goose chase, and I'm going to turn the corner, and there's going to be this trickle coming out of the side of the mountain. What a waste of time. I don't know if everybody thinks that way, but that's just kind of how I operate. And, and so I'm going across the bridge. But when I made the turn, the most amazing thing happened. <clears throat> My wife hadn't made the turn yet. So literally, she was here, and I was maybe 30 feet away from her. And as I made the turn, there was the waterfall. It was high. It was more than 75 feet high. That wasn't the amazing part. The amazing part was the closer I got to the waterfall, the more I couldn't hear anything else. See, the closer you get to the presence of God, the more you can't hear anything else. And at that point, no matter what my mind told me, my focus was now on the waterfall. And right then and there, this verse started overflowing my soul. Deep calls unto deep. Verse 7, Psalm 42. At the noise of your waterfalls, All I could hear was the sound of the waterfall. My wife made the turn and she's standing this far away from me. We are yelling at each other not because we don't like each other. We're celebrating in a few weeks 47 years. And I know that You can't really believe that because I don't look much over 30, but we've been married since we were born. (laughs) One of those arranged marriages things. Just kidding. And even the one closest to me couldn't overpower the sound that I was hearing. And all of a sudden, a peace flooded my soul. I forgot the journey that I made. I forgot the pressure that it took to get there. And all I could do is say, God, that's like your voice. How many times do we read through the prophets that when they stood in the presence of God and and He spoke, His voice was like the sound of many waterfalls. I hope it doesn't sound mystical to you. But all of a sudden, it started rearranging the order of things in my soul. See, we're made up in the image of God. Triune in nature. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit looked at us and said, we're going to make man in our image. Triune in nature. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says, we're made up of body, soul, and spirit. And he says that I want to keep you completely blameless until the day which means that He not only wants to make us strong physically, and sometimes that's a fleeting thing, but He wants our soul to be healthy, and He wants our spirit to be strong. Because sometimes your body can't get you where you need to go. But at the noise of the waterfalls, you stand and Everything that previously was in control now bows down to a sound that will overwhelm your soul. And I just stood there, and she's looking at me because I'm crying now. And it was embarrassing. Not because my wife was there, she's seen me cry before, but because there was a whole bunch of people there. And they were probably all Georgians, realizing that this guy doesn't say y'all or anything like that, so he's probably not from these parts. And he's just so moved by this tremendous, majestic picture of this huge waterfall that when you stack next to the one at Yosemite, it's like a trickle. This is big here in Georgia. He's just overwhelmed. He's undone. I was undone all right because it was God, listen to me carefully, who was using my circumstance to remind me he's still in control. I was just having a God moment. Part of the moment was filled with repentance. God, I'm sorry that I lost perspective for a moment. I'm sorry that I focused on the length of the journey to get here. I'm sorry, God, not in some wimpy way that I'm now this sinner that needs to be saved for the 45th time. You get saved only once. There's a process of regeneration that is different than new life. And there I stood, overwhelmed by the sound. See, if you lose your focus, usually the first thing that goes not your eyes. It's your hearing. Because your eyes tell you you're losing it. I could see the waterfall. It was gorgeous. What I could see more was, God, your word is true, isn't it? Maybe I don't understand all the, the symbolism and the metaphoric representation of the words when... We sang this morning, Deep Calls to Deep. But when I close my eyes and listen, something happens to my soul. Some of you, some of you, lost your focus. Please, I'm not judging. And I don't mean you've lost your way. But the pressures and the things that are going on around you are wanting to tell you one thing. And the Spirit of God wants to tell you the real thing. See, the Bible tells us what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is the eternal. And I don't know about you, but I want an eternal perspective. I want to keep that eternal perspective. So in order to do that, I I have to look at this daily to get my directions. So I want to take you one more place this morning. Actually, it might be one more after this one more. Isaiah 43. We've heard it in different ways this morning. But now, thus says the Lord, verse 1 Who created you? That's what Jeremiah 1 4 tells us. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. Jeremiah 29 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you. One translation says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Plans for a future and a hope, for prosperity and not calamity. I could look at my circumstance and say, God, are you real? Because if, if, if really that's true, then why is all the calamity going on? I lost my focus. I'm listening to what my circumstances tell me. And I have to come back and say, wait a minute. Here's what he said Thus says the Lord who created you. I'm a created being. I'm individual. I'm unique, and God made me. And he didn't leave anything out when he made me. Some thought that he left my brain out, but no, he didn't. Fear not. Do you know how many times in the Bible God says to his people, fear not? There are a number of places, the number that I don't remember, but every time there's a situation that is beyond our control, the first thing that wants to visit us is fear. when Joshua is getting ready to take over for Moses. Think about that for a minute. Talk about shoe sizes. Here's like Moses with a size 21, and here's Joshua who's just been following the guy around, attending to his needs, and I kind of see him with a size 9, and all of a sudden God says, Moses is going to be leaving and I've chosen you. Really? God, have you been out in the sun too long? Do you really understand what this is all about? Now let's get serious here. We got a couple of million people here. And they haven't been in the best of circumstances. So, so I'm not probably going to be their first vote it doesn't matter what they think. Today, I will show you before the people to be like Moses. And you're going to lead them. But what's the first thing he has to say to him? Fear not. You know, I absolutely believe that if we closed our eyes... And we were given this supernatural sight to walk that most of the time fear wouldn't even be an issue. It isn't until we open our eyes that we start getting afraid. But that's why the Word of God is there because it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we walk not by sight but by faith. I've called you by your name. You're mine. And then I love this next verse. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Do you know how important God's words are to him? Gee, Pastor, that's profound. When he says what he says, he means what he says. See, you know, here's how I'd like to write it. If you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. See, to me, that's better, isn't it? I hate somebody telling me, when you go through this, this is what's going to happen. Listen, keep your prophecy to yourself. I can figure that much out. How about we do if? God, let me help you. You made a mistake here. Let me just tell you, if. I can't stand up in front of people and share with them that you are the God of all creation. You'll keep us from every trouble or trial. And then have to tell them when you pass through. They're not going to be happy. and God knows that all God ever wants for our life is for us to be happy. He never wants us to have a sad moment in our lives. What does he say? Are you reading it with me? Can we read it out loud together and maybe your translation's a little different? When you pass through the waters, what will be with you? He or I. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And through the rivers they... Shall not overflow you. And this isn't a good one for me either. <laughs> if you walk through the fire, I like that better. But what does he say? When? No flame shall scorch you. There's a unique thing about the Word of God. You don't need a commentary to interpret it, you don't need a concordance. Not that they're not good resources. But the Bible reserves this right unto itself that it's subject to the law of self interpretation. Meaning that if it says something one place, you don't have to read much further where you're going to find that very thing that God is talking about is going to be exampled in somebody's life. How many remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The book of Daniel. How many remember anybody? Okay, yeah. Wake up for just a moment. I love ministering because most of the time people say, Pastor, when they come up and shake my hand, we just want you to know that we woke up refreshed from your message this morning. But that's not going to be this group. I have to tell you, these are life and death issues. You're in the middle of it right now. Life and death issues. And it really is hard to separate what your soul feels from what your spirit knows. It doesn't mean you live in a Pollyanna world and pretend there are no fires. But I'll tell you, when you think even about going through the fire, and we remember the names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but I don't know if you know that those names were not their original names. I don't know how many times I've asked people, even pastors, and, and it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a question to reveal somebody's Bible intelligence. But I, I said, who got thrown into the fire? And immediately they'd respond, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I said, well, I, 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 I would like to correct you. That's what the king He threw into the fire. That's what he thought. Because he was the one that gave him the names. And the world's identity, the world's identity, knows that if they can put you into the situation and you believe that that is the identity you have, they've seen it by past experience, you get burned up. But let me just help you. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. See, the scripture says, I called you by your name. And when you pass through the fires, I'll be with you. Just don't forget who you are. Don't let the world transform you into something That will ultimately consume you. And what did these three men stand on the brink of of destruction? What was their testimony? We're so full of fear, we don't know what to do. Oh, King, please, oh, King, please. We'll serve you. They stood on the brink. And they said, oh, King, and I don't believe in any way it was disrespectful. But they stood there and they said, oh, King, we need to get some things straight here. You know, sometimes you've got to speak to your circumstances. So you think you got control over me. Are there any guitar guitar players in the house or does the worship team go and hide? My brother that was on the guitar or someone else. Yeah, yeah, Rick, go ahead and you can play it. They stood at the edge of decision. When God brings change in our life, it's always on the edge of decision. Transformation doesn't take place because you're not moving. And and here they stand. And the king was a little nervous because he said, you know, I don't quite have these guys figured out. I named them, but they're not quite acting like the gods we serve whose names they were given. Making me a little nervous, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to make the fire seven times hotter. Unfortunately, the king didn't really understand God's economy with regard to mathematics. Because seven happens to be a complete number. And it happens to be the number of perfection. Perfection. See so many times we go into circumstances and we say God just you know change me completely in this one circumstance so I can just be this person that walks 3 feet off the ground. But sometimes God has to allow has to allow fire to be increased 7 times. He knows what he's doing. He's got his dials. He's got his hand on the on the furnace dials. And they turned to the king and they said, with all due respect, king, with all due respect. When we go into the fire, not if we go into the fire, but when we go into the fire, the same words will come out of our mouth as the fire blazes seven times hotter as what you're hearing right now. our words will be that we'll still worship Him. And whether we, He delivers us or not, we'll stay focused and we won't give up. For He is our God. Listen to me. So many times we stand in that place of uncertainty. God, are you or aren't you? And we're trying to place a value on what that decision is going to hold for us to somehow find a restoration of our soul. The hope, if, if it happens, hallelujah, we can rejoice. If it doesn't happen, what are we going to do? Oh, my hope is in the situation. No, the hope is in the Word of God who says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When you pass through the waters, they will not overflow you. When you pass through the fire, it will not scorch you. I can't tell you how many times I've stood in that place myself and stood with others. Leaders are supposed to have everything figured out, right? They're supposed to have all the answers. But you know, the further I go in, the lot in life, the fewer answers I have. But the more answers He gives me. But you know, I've discovered I can ask questions. And sometimes He doesn't answer my questions but he always answers my need. I will restore your soul. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 23. is a good psalm to read right now and remind yourself. Keep things in perspective. Stay focused. Don't give up. And what happened not to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the The idols burned in the fire. Throw a wooden idol into the fire, it'll burn. Throw metal into the fire, it'll melt. But put faith in the fire. And it prevails. Go ahead, King, throw us in. Throw us in. They weren't taunting them. This isn't a Bible story. It's real people. Throw us in. Throw us in. And they get thrown in and all of a sudden, listen to me, by someone else's faith, it released the world to see something they had never seen before. You may have read the story differently. What happens? The king looks in and he says, Hey, who snuck somebody in there? Your faith can release the world to see. Your faith can release the world to see Jesus. The world already knows how to prosper in good times. And I'm not yelling because you're hard of hearing. I just kind of get excited. And, and it's like, you know, this is real stuff. Pastor, nothing you've said this morning has any kind of, you know, like a period, like a, a capital at the beginning of the sentence and a period. It's just like a run-on sentence. And, you know, in, in English, those just don't make sense. Well, they make sense to me. Because when I read my Bible from Genesis to Revelation, I come up with the same thing. God's still in charge. And He's the author and He's the finisher and He knows everything that's needed in between. But think about it for a moment. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. And when your heart is hurting and you're grieving... And maybe they're even hearing you say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And everybody's standing around watching our 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 master on the cross. Man, if the guy at the top's given up, what hope do we have? Oh, it wasn't a cry of desperation in the sense that I've lost the whole thing and now... That the fire has started now that the pain has come. I'm, I'm getting real with you. I'm, I'm losing it. No, he didn't lose it. What, what, what do you see in the fire? I can see the king. Because he's talking out loud now. He's not just thinking. Just, Wait! How many did we put in the fire? Almost like he had an attack of Alzheimer's. How many did we put in the fire? Three. What does your Bible tell you? You know, it's only in God's math that he can do things that boggle the mind. You start out with three, you end up with four. How about this one? One plus one equals one. That would really disturb Virginia Tech, I'm sure, if you came in and started promoting that in the math department. But the Bible says, and the two shall become one. So in God's math, one plus one equals one. Crazy, crazy way of thinking. That's the problem. You can't think. Yeah, you need to think, Pastor, because at some moment you're going to have to stop. And that requires thinking. He says to us. One plus one equals one. He says, "With you and God, you make a majority. There's an army that stands before us. but if God be before us, who can be against us? It's not numbers? It's presence. It's presence. And do you know what is here this morning? Not me yelling and screaming. And getting excited only. But he already came early this morning because he was just looking for two people to show up. Just two. Where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. All ye that are weary and are heavy laden. Come and I'll give you rest and, and he sits before the dawn even broke this morning when we passed from eleven fifty nine and 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 fifty nine seconds to twelve o'clock when the new day came He was already here waiting. If two will just show up. I'm happy. Turn to your neighbor and tell them don't lose your focus and don't give up. That is, please, that is not an exercise. Faith comes by hearing. And sometimes the greatest strength to your faith is not when you hear some lunatic preaching. It's when you say the words yourself. I remember the first breakthrough I ever had in worship. So I was raised Catholic. Then I became a Lutheran. And then I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I don't know what I was after that. I think people said I was Pentecostal. And I said I... I think I can spell it, but I don't know exactly what it is. But something overtook me. Presence of God. And I pray this morning, as I stood in that first place of surrender, and somebody said, we're going to worship. I was familiar with worship, Catholic church. And and I'm not being offensive in any way, just talking about my history. They talk about worship. It was interesting. Came to the Lutheran church. We were given a hymnal. Pick out three or four songs, and it's done. And then I come into Pentecost, and all of a sudden I see people around me with their hands up some of them even getting a little free, dancing. I said, God, i got to take this by degrees. You, you need to understand where I came from. Like you didn't. Jeremiah 1, four. before you're in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you were going to be here. And I remember standing there, and I, 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 was, I was hoping that I had handcuffs on. So if I couldn't respond, it wasn't my fault. And I'm standing there and I'm looking around. These people got their hands up and somebody's next to me dancing. And I thought maybe it was their, you know, early morning workout. And God says, what are you doing? I said, I'm watching. He said, it's not good. I don't want you to watch. I want you to hear. What are you hearing? So well, let's talk about seeing first. I see a bunch of lunatics. People got their hands in the air. What? Gee, I understand that language. I've been all over the world. Most of the time when you see out in public places people with their hands up, it's usually because somebody's got a gun in their face. Universal sign of surrender. You don't even know the language. Somebody points a gun at you, and what do you do automatically? Throw your hands in the air. He said, get your hands up. Well, I'm kind of embarrassed to put my hands up because Vivian wasn't here to button my sleeves for me, so I I need her to help me. Can we stand for a moment? I pray that something that I've said this morning meets you where you are. And that if you could close your eyes for a minute and not see me anymore. And just listen for a moment. And just in your mind's eye. See hands extended to you. Saying I've, I've been where you're going. And when you pass through the waters. I'll be there to take your hand. And I won't let you go. Even when you don't have any strength, I'll hold on to you. And when the fire seems hotter than it's ever seemed before, hold on. Hold on. I'm there for you. I'll take you through. Just don't lose focus. And don't give up. Hold on. Hold on. Deliverance is coming. Hold on. If you could just see that, you'll never be the same when you walk out of here. And if you're new for the first time in this place, or you're at a crossroads in your life, and and you're really not sure that you know what God looks like, you've never felt His hand. You've never been touched by the Spirit of God. And so when you hear these things, They sound inviting, but you don't know how to get there. The Bible says in Jesus' own words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Before you can get on your way, you got to get through the door. And the Bible says as many as received him, to them gave he power to become children of God. Right now you can say in your heart, God, not just that I need you, but I want you. And I want to know that presence that'll take me through any situation. I surrender my heart to you this morning. You gave your life for me that my, I might have life and have it more abundantly. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for the wounds that I've caused other people. Forgive me and come into my life. And if that's your prayer this morning, you just took the first step into your eternity. An eternity with the living God. Destined for heaven and not hell. And if you've done that this morning, you need to come up here after the service and say to someone, I just took my first step. Can you help me walk the rest of the way? Because I don't see things clearly yet but I want to. And for everyone else, Lord, I just pray this morning that your waters will flood over their soul. Not the waters of destruction, but the waters of renewal. The waters of cleansing that you designed to make us whole. And fill every person here to overflowing With the sense of hope that doesn't require showing. Doesn't require a display. Just that I'm able to see the one who is the way. Let me see Jesus. Moses stands on a mountaintop, a vantage point in the natural that should have given him the ability to see everywhere in the midst of a wilderness with people that weren't all that happy at being there. And out of his mouth comes these words. When God says you need to leave this place, he said, I'll leave this place, but I I can't go unless you go with me. God's going with you today. Just take his hand. Just take his hand. Let him heal you. Let him restore you. Let him make you new. Walk in your faith and watch what the world will do. Three guys in the fire demonstrating their faith and it opens the eyes of a king to see The spiritual world. See, we think it's going to take our evangelism. And I don't discount that at all. But it's when we walk in faith and people begin to see. How could you do that, brother? Because I I see Jesus. Could I see him? God bless you as you go today. Encourage one another. Give away a few hugs. And if you have anything to report when you go out the door, just say, you know, the guy wasn't half bad. And he did smile. And But he was loud. But we'll give him that. But he's okay. So we just want to bless him today. Okay? God bless you. Uh,
0: so... <laughs> He used that passage of Scripture out of Isaiah 43. I remember, uh, and how Dave spoke, that, spoke it and shared it, I remember when I was getting on an airplane in Jamaica and flying into Cuba back in 1991 when it was illegal for Americans to be in Cuba. There were six of us sneaking in there and to find out what was happening in Cuba. And I remember I was seeking the Lord on the plane and got on the plane and old Cubana airline, which was... We took off, smoke started filling, and we're going. What is this? Oh, no problem, air conditioning. I'm going. What? <laughs> you know, and but you know, we got up in altitude, and we're flying, you know, flying, to Cuba, not knowing what we're going to find. And I, I'm seeking the word. And I'm going, oh, Lord, what, what are you saying? And all of a sudden, He spoke that past Scripture. Dave said, "You will pass through the waters, and it will not overflow you. Not pass through the flame, and I'm going. Oh, that's not the word of the Lord." <laughs> I'm going, no, 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 that can't be it. That can't be it, Lord. <laughs> yeah, but a faith, the power, man, we rebuked the floods. We rebuked the rain, you know what I mean, the, the fire. You know, that, that ain't it. And then when I got in there and uh, I entertained some stupidness and ate some things I shouldn't have and ended up so sick and then got overdosed on sulfa drug And because uh, I went to a Cuban hospital being traded by Angolan doctors. In the midst of the communist era. <laughs> but you know, God said, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I know we've we got to close the service, but I just want us to close out with this, uh, this song that Amy wrote. You make me sing. Because why? what does he say in Psalm 32? It says, let him who is godly seek to you in a time when you may be as found, because surely in a flood of great waters, they, the waters, will not reach you. And he goes on to say, I will surround you with songs of deliverance. And I just want to sing this song, the name of the song is You Make Me Sing. Now I was thinking, God gave you this song in a time of things were tough for you. And he just spoke that. And, and he makes us sing, because why? He is with us. Thanks for that word. Thank you for that word. Let's just sing this up as a closing prayer.